the Glock. Did I talk about that dumb gun? What Did about you? it? I don't know. Yeah, like everybody's like, you put it on my, my dining room table and everybody's like, oh, I want to see Ben's, Ben's Glock. Is this the match gun? I was like, yeah, that's the match one. Like pick it up off the table and it's like, snap. It's like, oh, it's like, to like rack it again. It's like, snap. I'm like, oh, this is your match gun. And Ben's like, yep, that's my match gun. I'm like, oh, here, like, here you go. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. We're here to talk about shooting on deck tonight. We got Mr. Hopkins, Mr. Kim, and Mr. Park. Say hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. All right. You guys know the deal. Everybody comes here with a topic, except for me. I uh, I don't have a topic, so they want me to talk about the dumbass gun I've been talking. I've already talked about the gun. Don't give me the topic I gave you. Whatever. All right, Mr. Kim, you're going first. Yes. So I want to introduce this product. So uh, if you are not looking at the video, this is a powder called Clean Shot. So recently, uh, I shot a PCC Nationals, and I didn't know the lo load data for that. And I asked the champion, Max Leo Grandes, he uses this powder. So I bought a couple boxes of it, and then I actually load handgun ammo with it and went through some tests. So previous powders, I had issues with powder spillage. Um, I, yes, I, I run the 1050 very fast, probably drinking whiskey sometimes. So my ammo sometimes go bam bam boop bam bam boop like that. Uh -huh. So when I switch to clean shot, clean shot the powder is very very small. It's a it's a circular shape but very tiny. So when I load, most of the powder is on the bottom of it. So it's not really a big volume. So it doesn't spill as much. That's the first thing I liked. And the powder, the load data-wise, is very similar to Type Group, which is very popular too. Mm -hmm. uh, the price is pretty reasonable, and it's big in stock. I, I don't think anybody's really buying it a lot right now. Like even on internet forums, people don't talk about this powder too much. I, I found only a couple. So if anybody's interested in trying different powder, uh, this is pretty good. Only the downside would be it's a inverse temperature sensitive. So I chronoed around 135 power factor at home, and it ended up 132 at in Florida heat. Oh, that's uh, fine though. It's yeah, it's not a lot. So as long as you like load 135, I don't think you will have any issues uh, all around the world. So try this. Oh, by the way, very accurate. I mostly used with coated bullets. Uh, the smoke was not much at all. It's close to uh, N320 in my field in terms of smoke and recoil, but I personally think accuracy was better than uh, N320 as well. Yeah. And it runs well through a Dylan. That's the question everybody would want to know. Yes. Meters it well. meters. Tornado or nothing. Shut up, Joel. <laughs> meters better than any other. <laughs> lock and load. <laughs> no, One thing really. I like is uh, some of the powders. I have to do like a three pumps to get constant consistent powder drop like first three loads will be a little bit fluctuating with other powders but this powder like almost the first and the second one is like right at where i want i think it's because the material is so small it meters very well yeah i never clear the shelf plate because that seems like too much work but i'm with you joel dude and the people that can actually feel the difference between the first and the third round you need to find something better to do <laughs> As long as it's got powder, like I 
Yeah. It's extremely judgmental, gentlemen. Very sorry. <laughs> All right, Matt, what do you got? So I want to talk about short time doing live fire practice. So just this week I've went out and I've shot every single day, but I haven't spent a ton of time out there. Are you working from home perhaps, sir? No, I'm not. Actually, I was in the office. That's why it's been less time. Oh, okay. But I'm going back to remote work and going to change that. So, so I just like, I'm like, okay, I only got an hour. I got to get out there and do something. So I set up tar three targets out there. I was like, okay, I could do this drill, this drill, and this drill on this. I'm going to load my mags up, shoot this drill for this one, reload, shoot the next set of drills, reload, do the next set of drills. Bam, done, out in an hour, 300 and something round shot, really good practice session. And I'm finding it more and more, it's kind of like compound interest, right, with money. Like, you have to put time in every day to, to get effects out of it, so. Wait, what? This is not my understanding of compound interest. You put a little in, and it just adds up over time. Oh, okay, yeah, that I get. I was like, explained Jesus. it bad the first time. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It adds up over time. Uh, Matt, I think we've talked about, you and I, have talked about how practicing is a skill in and of itself. That people Absolutely. need to kind of like learn how to practice. To yep. Absolutely it is. Yeah, and I notice when, when I'm out training, like I, I want it to be efficient. I mean, I get... I get bored and, or I mean, I, I get upset. It's difficult for me to even practice with other people. If it's not the Actually, right person, because they're slowing me down, they're in the way. And it's just like, shoot your targets, fill your magazines. Like, I don't need to be ch chit chatting with you right now. Like if you're not doing one of those things, like get the fuck out of my face. All right, guys, uh, I, help me I out. I don't say it that way, but that's uh, what I'm thinking. I know you wouldn't. You're too nice, too polite. I'm you're too talking polite about, to say that. Give me, give me an example of an inefficient, inefficient practice. So that would be like, Dragging out too many props or being there for targets, like too four or five props, hours. Too many right. drills, too much talking, too much nonsense. Uh, and then also overanalyzing. Where set, like, so let's say we're doing a drill uh, like El Presidente. So you're doing El Presidente. So that to me, that's a kind of a, a, a good, a good uh, test of your abilities. You got to draw a reload. You got the transitions. You got some shooting. Uh, so during, in the context of doing that drill, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be analyzing the minutia of my grip, right? I would use a different drill to do that. So then like I will, like those little minutia, that kind of crap, that needs to fall away to the background where I'm not thinking about it or talking about it or analyzing it. Uh, and some people have a really hard time doing that. Like every time they do a run, they want to, you know, you know, work through every little detail of look what, at every split, maybe what or, just happened. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. Like, dude, that is like, that's not, that's not where it's at for this drill. Like if you want to look at every split, then I'm doing a different drill. So kind of being really focused on what it is you're trying to achieve. What is the drill focused on? Cause you're usually working on just one or two elements, maybe three, three cues, you know, that you'd be focused on. Uh, so you want to focus like a laser on particular things to the exclusion of other stuff. To, I mean, to where it's like, yep, I understand that this and that, these other elements I'm not working on right now, those are going to kind of fall apart and that's okay. Like I'm, I'm focused on this other thing right now, trying to actually make progress during this session. So being very focused is, is difficult for a lot of people. I like it. Yeah. Uh, also, so Matt, it sounds like you're dragging out less stuff. So just a couple target stands and that's it? Yeah, actually, our club has like wood backer boards. Some days I can just throw targets up there and I, I like put two little cone things on the ground. 
Mm-hmm. Staple the targets up, done. So back in my back in the old days when I was like had jobs to work, I remember. I mean, this was ten years ago. Uh, training for nationals, I would have like forty five minutes on the range between jobs to do a practice session, and it was. I would always go out there with a specific plan. I'm going to work on exactly these things. Um, this is what the drills are going to be. I would have a plan for how much pasting I was going to do. So if I'm working up close, I'd be pasting less than if I'm shooting from from back, like all, all that stuff. And that's why that's the only way that I could train efficiently because I'd need to shoot, you know, three, 400 rounds probably in that time. And I didn't want to be just shooting the rounds. I wanted to be doing the assessment, and, you know, like trying to do it properly. And that was that was very challenging, but I learned a lot about practicing efficiently. It's to the point now where if I'm on the range for two hours by myself, I'm probably like I've probably practiced all I'm going to for that day because I've like physically I'm smoked, you know, I've shot as much as I feel like shooting. I probably shot a lot. Yeah. I think the that, biggest place. Oh, sorry. No, no. I was just saying practice really is that you pra- practicing itself is a skill you get better at over time. And I, I don't think I don't think I appreciated that enough until Matt went practice me practice with me one time and they said said exactly that. He's like, Yeah, you're very efficient at practicing. I was like I thought about it. I'm like, oh, I guess I am. Hundred percent is. I don't think a lot of people ever learn that. Yeah. Because they don't put enough time into it to learn it. And I think the place most people fall down is in the setup. So like there was a a time until very recently where there was nothing I could say or do that I was going to get access to the props at my club. So what did I have? The stuff I could fit in the trunk of my car, and that was actually really good because before I would have maybe thought, oh, I want to drag out these walls or this this barrel stack or something. It's like, hey. I fit three or four target stands in my trunk, you know, and a couple like non-falling, like steel challenge plates. That's it. That's all I ha- I can't bring anything more. Like I can't, I, I don't have access to anything more than that. And that actually taught me to be very efficient with just what I had. And if I would have had access to drag out all the crap and bring out a wall and, oh, just a couple barrel stacks this time and all that wasted time, um, it's actually not efficient. Once in a while, it's okay to do, but you know, I, that's not what you should do every practice session. Just a few you know, a few target stands, a few plates, a couple cones, and you can really accomplish a lot with that and be in and out of there very quickly. So beyond cones, I like to do the like three foot target sticks that you know mm-hmm. cut off the top of them. Those work perfectly as fault lines. You cut off the top of them? No, like if you set up like clubs. You buy an eight, eight foot stick, yep. you want a five oh. foot stick, cut off the yep. three Use foot. Use the three oh, foot oh, as a okay. fault line. And I just have like Have six you been to a hardware store? <laughs> oh no! You went to view. We went with Vito one, didn't you? Yeah, we went to yeah. We went I to that was a lot, fun. a lot of times, sir. Yeah, I I did. I bought that sledgehammer. Remember, Bertha. Bertha. I'm like, I'm gonna <laughs> fuck some stuff up with this sledgehammer. I remember that. I kind of did too. You were really excited about that sledgehammer, dude. I smashed stuff with it just for no reason. It was amazing. Made my day. Made my week actually. I remember it well. Yeah. Yeah, one thing to add, don't be lazy on hydrating and keeping your energy level up when you practice. Yeah, be like focused, be all there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, is it my turn, Joel? Or is it, yeah. this is kind of a combined topic. I mean, I suppose it's my concept, but yeah. we're both working on it. Okay, so I started a YouTube channel with Joel called Practical Shooting Explained. Does anybody have any questions so far? Who's, yeah. Who's it for? It's not for you. So if you're listening to this show, it is not for you. 
He's not. I don't he's really not know joking. why we're talking about it on here. I'm not joking. It's really not for you. So, uh, in my view, practical shooters. So that'd be USPSA people. We, as a group, we kind of suck at talking to the rest of the gun community. And a lot of the comments. So, but starting. So, if you're curious about this channel, go to Practical Shooting Explained on YouTube, and you can see that channel. Uh, you can see what's on there. But in my estimation. USPSA shooters are kind of in this bubble because people in USPSA, they shoot a lot, they're training a lot, they have different different equipment than other people in many respects, uh, and they just have a lot deeper understanding of shooting, but they're, they're very much all about getting other people to do this thing that we're doing. And in being honest, this isn't for everyone. You, you gotta be really, really into this and do it sort of, do it a lot in order to get a lot out of it. Like we're traveling around to matches together and, and training all the time and doing all this stuff. And if you don't want to get into it that hard, I don't see much of a point to doing it. Like for, it, that's just my opinion, but I don't, I don't see a lot of point. If you're not going to do it seriously, why do it at all? However, there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of practical shooting, uh, like good knowledge about equipment, technique, shooting skill, all that stuff. Like there's a lot of ideas from practical shooting that we should be exporting to the rest of the gun community, but we're not very good at doing that. So that's the point of that channel. Uh, did I explain that well, Joel? I think you did. So more than, uh, it's not creating a checklist for, if I'm gonna go to my first match, tell me what I need to do. And Ben's like, no, oh, show up early like, and make sure you that. bring your range back. That's not what it is. It's no, like, it's, oh, I, this, this is what a, a, a practical, you know, shooting match is. And just like, just explain what it is more than like actionable, follow these steps to do this thing. It's just informational. Well, well and then, I'm not trying to dump on anybody, but obviously the people that have looked at the channel now are all practical shooters. So we're getting comments like, Hey, make it, make a video explaining the division rules. And it's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because if you don't do USPSA, you don't give a shit what the division rules are. And why would you? It makes it, who cares? That's not really relevant to anything that we're, that, to we're, that we're doing. And if you really needed to know that, that's easy to find out. If you already do USPSA, you don't need to watch that video. And if I make that video two months from now, it's going to be out of date anyway when the division rules change and you could have a 65 ounce production gun or whatever fuck. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like that makes Spitting no sense. That makes no sense to make that video. And it also it doesn't really speak to them. But I did make a video, and maybe by the time you hear this, I'll have released it, of just explaining the build drill. Like, this is what this is. I didn't use any USPSA jargon. So not talking about alphas or charlies or about division rules. I just made a video explaining what the build drill is and why we would do that. And there it is. And that it becomes useful information, or maybe at least interesting if you own a gun and you're interested in shooting, but you're, I mean, you're not going to go to be going to matches. You're just not going to do it. Maybe they see that video and they get something out of it. That's what, that's what we're trying to do. And I think that we can kind of push practical shooting ideas out to the kind of the larger gun community uh, without, without kind of evangelizing. Practice. Like we're not trying to get them to, to come do this thing. That, that's not the point. It's just showing them what we're doing. Uh, so other things that I want to put on there, like I want to have Mr. Kim come on the channel and give us a review of the Walther and not like a normal uh, sort of uh, gun magazine review of, of a gun where the, the writer got the gun for free or at a discount. Like Matt, you know about that, right? Are you every, the guy sending those out? For every single article is, 
basically sponsored. Yeah, of course. So the, the writer it's gets how this they gun. Yeah, no, how that, they, that's the system. Bottom, yeah. All right. I mean, I would do the same thing. Like, hey, you like, I, I, I send free books out to people that are dumbasses just because they, you know, might want the book and then they talk to their audience. <laughs> no, Joel, don't put your fit. Don't put your, no, not, I'm not saying I only send them to dumbasses, but I might send it to somebody <laughs> who is a dumbass. Like, here you go. If they, they talk about it on their channel or on their, their platform, they've got cool, like whatever. But, but that's in, in a sense, that's the same system that gun manufacturers use. So uh, a normal gun review is, yeah, I handled the gun. It was, it was cool or whatever, or the magazine release was here. And that was comfortable or that was nice. And then they have somebody take nice photographs of it. And then the reviewer shoots the gun. I shot 550 rounds and it, it only jammed, only jammed yeah. once, but it had packing grease on it. So that was probably that for that reason. And it grouped like this at 25 yards or whatever. Like that's a gun review. But having Mr. Kim to actually talk about the nuances of the Walther platform and I mean, hey, just shoot us straight about how this thing works. And he'd be like, yeah, so you're going to change that extractor spring and then it's going to run good. And like, you know, this is the like the grip angle, something that people have a lot of discussion about. It's sort of polarizing. And then the gun does this and this and and, and do an actual in-depth review of what it'd be like to own that gun and shoot it a lot. I think that that sort of information should be pushed out to the gun community at large, but they're not paying any attention to USPSA people. Because I don't know, we we're not good at communicating with them. Well, it's it's too tough to understand. I think sometimes. Yeah, people like, get. Want, yeah, I want to talk to you about Hit Factor. It's like, what is Hit Factor, and why do I care? Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's just like, holy shit, man. <laughs> that is not helpful to people. So yeah, so obviously Joel is the nice part of that channel. As soon as you start pushing out videos on it, Joel, I'll be very I'll be very happy. Uh, but that's that's sorry, what it is. Quite so, jammed up lately. Yeah, I know. But if you see Practical Shooting Explained and are wondering what that is, that's what it is, and that's what it's for. It's not really for you, but if you see a video on there, it might be for some of your gun and friends, a, you know, particular videos that come out later. So that's what I'm, I'm working on that. That's just kind of a fun side project sort of thing, like as if I don't have enough shit to do already, but whatever. Self-inflicted, sir. Yeah, self-inflicted. Can't help myself. All right. That's it for me. Perfect. Uh, okay, my turn. Uh, I want to talk about leveraging your skills in a stage. Uh, so I think a lot of people, they pick stage plans, but maybe they just look at, uh, maybe they just think about the fastest way to shoot it, and they kind of don't use their gut, or maybe picking, or you should be picking a plan based on your skills and weakness over just an optimal plan. So I, I think of an example of a match like, like we shot guys where there's, uh, you're starting on a stage and you can shoot, uh, there's, it'd be stage six. There's a, there's a target where you can shoot from more than one position. I know. A target you can shoot from more than one position. You can draw to this open target. I can draw to a mini. I've got a couple steel targets. I've got some paper targets. I'm like, what's my order? And maybe like I chose my, I personally chose my plan based on I didn't want to draw to the full target and then have to transition to the mini. I wanted to instead focus like a laser on the mini, bring my gun to exactly where I was looking to shoot that target. So you want to you so so let me get this straight. So you're shooting production mm -hmm. with a stock two, which means you get a double action first shot. And mm -hmm. as a production shooter, you're like, I am more comfortable drawing to the mini target than I am transition the mini popper than I am transitioning onto it. 
I knew if I like focused like a laser and I brought the gun to where I was looking, I knew it would go down as opposed to shooting a open target and needing to move my vision you know, to a very small target right. transitioning. Yeah. But that's, but that's an interesting choice. Uh-huh. Like most, most people listening to this are kind of like, yeah, damn, shooting a double action gun. I do not like drawing onto mini poppers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But you, like, but you have a different skill set. So you're like, no, I'd, I'd rather draw mm-hmm. to it than transition onto it. Yep. Like I knew, I knew it was going to go down. Like I'll just, I'll grip the gun properly and roll through the trigger and it will go down. And then I, and then I, I see these two paper targets after these poppers prior training and experience, I know I'm going to shift my weight and start to lean out shooting those targets. So I, I formed my plan based on my ability and knowing like my strength and weakness, knowing that maybe if I moved from the paper to the steel, there was a chance maybe that I would overswing the gun or I'd be in a hurry or maybe I was, you know, for whatever reason, I found a plan that I was more comfortable with. Well, I think the idea underlying this is that in in the context of the hey there's there's a bunch of targets out there in front of you you, you got to draw and shoot them like you mm-hmm. understand that it's not really going to affect the time a whole lot mm-hmm. with the order you do that when that's an idea that most people haven't they haven't really accepted that correct and then i can think of a couple other stages where there's like a stack of targets and i'm thinking hey i'm going to go those when i shoot those i'm definitely going to lean out on those so when i'm shooting those targets i'm going to kind of slow down and i'm going to keep maybe i'll keep my feet moving or maybe I'm going to lean out. And so you look at your skills and you know prior training and experience, and you pick specific details into your plan based on you know your gut, your previous experiences to know where there's a chance you could fall down or where there's a chance to really excel. And you choose, you make those small little decisions based on your personal experience more than just, I saw Ben run the stage this way. He had a fast time. I'm going to run it that way. <laughs> you know, that's not a good way to go about. No, it's not. So you're not leveraging the whole stage plan on what you're good at. You're leveraging one little portion, like the very first six, tar- like six rounds on that mm-hmm. one stage mm-hmm. in the order you shot on that. Yeah. You didn't leverage the whole plan, like based on what you're strong at. You leveraged that little section in the next section and then the next section. Right. Yeah. Yep. So like, everybody shot all those same targets, but yeah. you shot them in the order that was best for you. Yes. Right. Well, I just got a question. I mean, before we, we started recording on a, on a YouTube chat on the YouTube channel about there was a shaky bridge at mm-hmm. a match, the same match that you're talking about. So a shaky bridge where there's plates you can shoot mm-hmm. from the shaky bridge. And then there's a port you can see through and you can also engage um, most of those plates through that port mm-hmm. without s- standing static. You're a touch closer and you're not on a shaky bridge. And one guy mm-hmm. asked like, why are you shooting the plates from the shaky bridge? That's his question for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking it's the same thing. Like I'm leveraging my abilities. Like if I get up and if I, if I'm going up on the shaky bridge, I want to stop it starts shooting steel. If I hit the first one, you know, I figure I'm just going to stand there and just start, just start mm-hmm. banging them down. Like, cause why not? They're, the distance isn't a lot different and uh, it'll sit, you know, it, the round count works out better for that anyway. So I didn't look at that and be like afraid of it. It's just, you know, I, I feel comfortable with it and the round count works out better. So that's what I'm going to do. Whereas a lot of people would go a different direction with that. Yeah. And otherwise, if you shot them from the barrel and you had to shoot like four plates, you would have had to post up hard. You wouldn't have any emotion. Whereas then when Ben rolls to the barrel, you just kind of, I mean, you don't, you don't flow all the way through, but you didn't have to really stop hard. You just, you know, you just bring your gun up, plates are there, shoot it and off you go. Yeah. And I would not do that plan. I absolutely would not do the plan Ben did. 
But what? Ben knows. Son of a bitch. Why not? <laughs> ben knows prior training and experience. He knows he can make those shots. And he like he does like a like a uh, self awareness, a gut feeling, a gut check. Like, yep, this is this is the plan for me. I look at that. I'm like, nope, that is not going to happen for me. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but you can't play follow the leader and uh, using your training and experience or even uh, maybe what target you want to end on or maybe a lean somewhere or I mean, it could be maybe Matt and I shoot the same tar- the same arrays from the same spot. But the order I pick is just based on my ability, my preference. I know I like drawing to a tight shot. I know I don't want to draw to a tight shot. I'm worried about the double action. If I can draw to a full target, if I have the chance, I want to do that. So, so you need to be- uh, Go ahead, sorry. more, maybe a more clear example is we had some steel that activated a, some moving targets Yeah. on stage four, right? Mm-hmm. So there was multiple orders. You could do that. You could shoot the steel, like the activator and then shoot the moving target right away. Mm-hmm. Or you could shoot like the activator, another popper and mover, or you could shoot like all the steel and all the activators in one shot in a certain order that activated the moving targets exactly right. So you shot, you didn't wait for any of them and the, like they presented perfectly. It just depended on your skill. Like not everybody, like not all skill levels could have went up and did that. Yep. And you could be so, successful doing that more than one way. I'm sorry, Kim, yes, go ahead. Yeah. Yep. So I think in practice, you find your pattern, what you, your better results and then maybe even think about why you like that way. For example, I like if it's a big popper at further distances, I like to draw on it rather than transition from the side to side because the popper is long, vertically big, but narrow. So if I am transitioning left to right on it versus I draw on it, draw is basically gun moving low to high. So I have a bigger dimension on the target. Those kind of things you can think about it and also, if you are very good at tracking the target, like swinger or shooting on the move, then you can try to use, okay, I'm very good at tracking, so I'm going to shoot everything leaning out or shooting on the move. Or if you're very athletic, so you can stop instantly without body dragging around at all, then you don't have to track at all. In that case, you just rush and then plant, shoot really fast. Whereas if you can't have that muscle in your body and you cannot stop very instantly, then yeah, try to like develop tracking ability, even make your strong strength stronger, and then use that at matches. All right, but there's one point I want to drive home about this, and this would be for people listening. All of the guys on here, we do accept that, and not not even just accept intellectually, but uh, we've trained it, we've seen it, we've observed it, we've done it. Uh, at, you know, we've gone to nationals so many times and shot so many different matches with so many different people. Like when it comes down to nuance, like specific target orders, like left to right, right to left, steel first, steel last, uh, whatever, like those sorts of things, we know that it really doesn't matter. It's going to come down to execution, right? Mm -hmm. So for shooting a, a drill, like accelerator where the targets are, 7, 15, 25, you know, you can work it near to far, far to near. Uh, I can shoot a goofy order where so like center target first, then the left target, then the right target. So it makes no sense for a match. But uh, I know that my scores in training are very similar depending on, very similar across different orders. You know what I mean? But -hmm. then when I go to a match, like knowing, hey, I I can do it any way I want to. 
then when I go to a match, I can just be like, no, I prefer to shoot these targets, this order for this reason, because of, you know, because of the context here or whatever, whatever else I have to do on the stage. I'm very comfortable with that. And I really believe it's not going to matter that much, the order. So I don't feel like I'm giving anything up. And I think so many people, when they go to a match, they're looking at the stage and they think if they, they're doing it differently than a guy they perceive is better than them or whatever, mm -hmm. like they think they're giving something up. And it's just, it's really not true. It's really not like shooting, shooting how you're comfortable or understanding like, ah, near to far, far to near, whatever. Like this, this is going to work out okay. It's going to come down to my execution. You know, am I shooting accurately? Am I shooting to my sight, shooting my ability? That's what's going to matter, especially when you go to a big match because everybody's juiced up. Everybody wants to go fast and do well. And people are going to be fucking up left and right. And if you, you just want to shoot in order, you're not going to fuck up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well said, dude. I like it. So, yes, don't like the call to action is don't try this uh, your next area or section match. Try that. You know, if these aren't things that you're normally thinking about, th maybe think about it at your club match. Think about it in training. And uh, yeah. All right. Thank you, Joel, so much. All right, guys. Um, I'm not sure we have time for a question because of, well, you know what? We do. We do because it's perfect. It fits right in with what Joel's just talking about. Oh, I love it. Just like it was meant to be. Here we go. I recently trained with two solid shooters, GM production and national level steel challenge shooter. And we were taking turns setting up many stages. Personally, I wanted to shoot first and analyze after. However, they preferred coming up with some theoretical par time to see how close they could get once the beeper goes off. There was this one stage where after running it once in 12 seconds, I believe I could get it under 10. They said no way as a limit in their mind was around 10.3 for the optimal run. After six or seven tries, I was averaging 10.2 seconds with my fastest being 9.9. .9. Clearly, their limit was not right. What bothered me is that I told them they could probably do it faster, but they rather discuss it for 10 minutes uh, why they couldn't instead of just trying. Do you think setting theoretical optimal times for many stages are productive, or is it better to have rough estimates or even no estimates at all? Jesus. Matt. This kind of this this kind of plays into what we're talking about with efficient practice, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that's a huge waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you got like all day and like that's all you want to do. I mean, it'd still be a waste of time. You could go do something else. Well, so see, thing... it doesn't make a lot of sense to go and be like so you're ifsicking ifsicking this before you even shoot it, right? So you're like, yeah. okay, so I can get a one three draw on this and a twenty split and blah 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 blah, right? So the theoretical time is 10.3, right? Yeah. Over this course of fire. And then, like, obviously, you have, like, within your ability, you can push that down, what, 20% less, like, faster or whatever, right? Sure. Like, anybody can push it, like, and hook up on it, right? But well, I don't that... think any of that matters because you need to know what your kind of, like, your first time out is, like, what the time, like, cold is on it. And then what you can kind of work it down to, right? And what you're comfortable with. Well, that and if this is just some scenario that's never going to be repeated, right? Like, I, 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 this is where if, if I was there with these guys on the day shooting with them, it would be interesting how fast we could go and mm -hmm. how fast everybody can push it and all that stuff. But it's not really actionable, right? It's not like, what am I going to do with that information? Like probably nothing, but it might be interesting. actually shoot it. And that would be more interesting. 
well, I would not be standing there for 10 minutes. We talked about this before. I would be <laughs> like, if that conversation goes on too long, I'm just going to like walk over to another bay and start doing stuff. Cause I just lose interest really fast. Like, yeah. Oh fuck, this is not why I'm here. It's hot out. And I want to go shoot. Yeah. I think there's two situations where the int- information's interesting. So building a database of small little of little times going like, hey, if I draw to this target at this distance, it's gonna take that. I and mean, that's kind of that can be handy. That could help you maybe make decisions in a match. Or more valuable for me is just comparing times to somebody else. So if I'm standing next to any one of these three dudes and I do a drill and then Matt does a drill, I'm like, Matt, what was your time? I'm like, oh, okay. And that kind of gives me like, hey, Matt's pretty good. Well, Matt's really good. And then if I compare my time to Matt, hey, I'm pretty close, or maybe I'm way off, that could give me an indication of I'm definitely falling down on this type of target transition or, you know, your first shot or reload or whatever it is. But I, yeah, I wouldn't stand around all day just discussing it. I would just use it as a benchmark. Like, hey, I'm pretty close to Ben. Oh, Ben's blowing me out of the water on this skill. That's good to know. Maybe I'll work on that in training. Yeah, on the noisy part. Yeah, on the noisy part. Is that where I get you? It is sometimes. Or is it the running around and that stuff? It's hard to say. It is. I like what Joel said. (laughs) Uh, I think time, sometimes time can be your goal, or sometimes time can be just information where you are at. Uh, I think having a goal time for one specific skill, I think it's very important to develop your skill. So like draw time, uh, one second, stuff like that. But having a stage as a goal time, even before you shoot, uh, like Ben said, just trying to re- achieve that one specific goal over there which you will not you will not repeat at matches well i mean yeah the the only thing i'll say is it, it's nice it's value added it's not very useful all the time so don't like for the from again for probably 90 95 of the listeners this is not something you need to try to develop right now but it is interesting to be able to have a predictive ability to predict what would your time will be on a scenario before you shoot it like that's nice to help you gauge what the hit factor will be and make little minutia decisions, like how you want to go at it with moving targets or how you like what aiming scheme you pick on particular targets, things like that. That's a value add. That's nice. I would, I would, I think it's nice to be able to predict my, my times or whatever on, on a scenario, but that doesn't mean that I want to pick a theoretical maximum best time that, that I could shoot because, uh, I think that's a limitation you're putting on yourself, really. And that's that's been my experience too. And back back in the day when I started shooting, like what like what a guy can do or where the limits were is vastly different than now. But that's just perception. That's just people's perception has changed of what's good and what's not. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, guys, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, another uh, bang up podcast. I think it was actually. I was all right. Yeah. So, listeners, if you have a question you'd like the answer to, uh, go to bensager.com, send me your questions, and uh, we'll talk about them. And uh, well, I guess peace out, the rest of you guys, huh? Okay. Bye.